One of the reasons we started the Sleep Mums podcast is because we wanted to be there for you at any time of the day or night, whether that's joining you in the 3am club or for the witching hour. So hello, good morning, good evening or good night, hopefully. I'm Kat Kuby, parenting journalist and round the clocker and this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child sleep expert and timekeeper. Round the clocker suddenly sounds very dodgy. <laughs> it sounded all right when I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds dodgy, but also I think, you know, my friends would all say that I am the worst timekeeper. So I'm great for routines and schedules, but when it comes to actually turning up on time for friends, not clients, <laughs> not the best. <laughs> <laughs> Together, we are the Sleep Mums. Today, we're going to help you get your evenings back. We often focus on nighttime sleep or when we focused on nighttime sleep, then daytime sleep. But evenings and having grown up time, 100% a thing, is pretty important too. Not just for Netflix, but for you to chill, even just a little. (laughs) And I don't mean Netflix and chill, because that means something totally different, right? (laughs) Am I just really old? (laughs) I've heard so many of my friends ask this question. But weirdly, it's not one that's been approached by sleep experts or books very often. But that is exactly why we are here, to go where other folk won't. So let's make a plan so you can get your evening back. In many ways, I feel like I don't clock off until my kids are in bed asleep. I know they might be up for water, a pee, sickness, or just because but I still relish my evenings for the adult time to get things done, to have dinner and not share it, to have adult conversation, to watch crap, inappropriate TV, to look at Instagram. Some of these things are perhaps a bit more wholesome than others, but Sarah, why is getting your evening back so important? And actually, what does it even mean? What does getting your evening back mean? So when you first have a baby, you will most likely keep baby with you all the time. And that is, first of all, the recommendation to do. And secondly, what we all generally want to do when we have our little babies. So, you know, they're not going to go straight to bed in the evening. They're going to stay with us, either on us, um, whether they need cuddles at that time, or they're just in the room with us and wherever we are in their Moses basket or whatever you've chosen for them. But they're there, they're with us. Then a few weeks down the track or maybe a few months, whenever you're ready, you actually decide that it's time for a bedtime. And so that's you getting your evening back. When you've decided that actually they need a bedtime and they are going to be going to sleep in another space, it doesn't have to be their own room or even your room at this stage. It can literally just be somewhere close to the room that you're in, but no longer the room that you are in at that time. And that gives you a few hours once they've settled and gone to sleep, just, you know, doesn't even need to be a few hours it can be an hour where actually you're just you again or you're just folding their washing without them <laughs> attached to you and crying I I spotted an article this week that was like we need to stop telling parents that self-care is chores and I was like that's so true <laughs> we're not saying it's self-care but sometimes you know <laughs> it has to be done it can be a bit of a reality as well you know you can get baby off to bed and it can suddenly be like okay in this hour I can do x y and z because I've got both hands free and if that makes you happy for the next day then it's worth doing it yeah like the time you sent Harry away and hoovered your house 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> that was half an hour. <laughs> um, but so most, as you say, you don't really want to do that in the beginning. And it can feel a little bit like it feels like a bit of a wretch. I think you don't want yeah. to be apart from, from your baby. Um, but it could literally be like if you if you want to be in your lounge or something and you have a hallway mm-hmm. absolutely yeah right? you can keep them super close to you it's just given that little bit of space and distance it just means even from your point of view you can have the telly a little bit louder than you might have been doing previously you can talk at a normal level and these are all things that you should be doing anyway but you don't and so actually just putting a wall between you and baby can mean that suddenly you do just let out a little bit of a breath and relax a little bit more than you have been but equally you can then suddenly miss them so it's not like an instant oh baby's gone to the other room and now we're gonna have a party you can sit in that room with whoever you're with and you can talk about the fact that baby's next door and you can worry about them and you can check on them every five minutes and you can feel like super guilty that you've done it but you also if you've done it you probably are ready to have done it like a hundred percent of parents who are like get really excited about their first like meal out or whatever and then go out and just talk about baby the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And look at pictures. Oh god, yeah. Um I do that on my phone at night anyway. I'm like I'm desperate for them to go to go to bed and then I'm just scrolling like, Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> why why is it so important, do you think? Because I think people don't necessarily put very much focus on it. Like we've spoken about that a lot, obviously, particularly in our like A to Z podcast with Anna Mather about like motherhood. Um, but that sort of taking time back for yourself can feel something that feels really uncomfortable almost. But there yeah, is a um, bit of that, but it's also good for baby too. It can feel horrific actually taking any time back. I mean, mine are nine, eight and five and I still get the guilts when I leave them um all the time you know so yeah you know it's something that you have to do it's important because you have to have that time you you need that time you need that downtime you do need the time just to to even just sit in silence I think I think as babies and children get much older that's the real thing like I know now that for me, dropping the kids off at school, the 10 minutes in the car on the way back with nobody talking to me, that's the most restorative time that I have because it is silent. There are no, there's no dogs barking. There's no children talking. I try not to speak to clients when I'm in the car if possible. It's just 10 minutes of, okay, the kids are at school. They're safe. Now it's on to the next part of the day. And that's what your evening is. You know, you're really sort of getting to the end of the day and saying, okay, we've survived this day. Might have been good, might have been bad. Who knows? They're babies. It's not going to go like clockwork. Take a breath and get ready for the night ahead because your babies, when they're wee, you're not going to put them to bed and not see them until morning. You are definitely going to see them. So you just need that little reset to be an adult before the next part of the 24 hours. I think we've maybe spoken about this before as well that you almost need that time to download during part of your day before you get into bed because that's when the worries often start for people and Mm -hmm. so if you haven't given yourself time to process some of those things which like might not be actively I don't mean like sitting there meditating through your day but just having a bit of space to be able to think through stuff like um when he was around I found one of the most important things sort of and we I think we maybe spoke about it in Witching Hour was 
um before the night ahead for me to have a bath even if it was like 20 minutes and for for my husband to take my daughter with our first and just have that time to kind of which felt like it kind of replenished my mind and my body a wee bit because I'm a bit obsessed with baths but it's that kind of idea yeah definitely and it doesn't like you say you know 20 minutes 10 minutes it doesn't need to be a long time but it is just it's sort of washing away a part of the day before you start the next part and just being a bit more fresh-headed for it because it is tough going when they're wee you know it's it's a full-on 24 hours we've spoken about the witching hour or hours and many parents and babies find the hours of around 5 to 10 p.m really trying there are loads of reasons for it and if you've not listened to our witching hour podcast you really should at first in very small babies they're still trying to get their heads around the difference between days and nights and parents are trying to get their heads around the fact that there really isn't much difference between them anymore When baby goes down in the evening in those early days, it is much like a nap. And that can mean that parents spend as much time settling or feeding as anything else. We've spoken about giving yourself a break in the first few weeks. But when you're ready, Sarah, how do you go about implementing the foundation for an evening routine that will then, like we're saying, give you a bit of time and space to yourself, more of an evening? Because I think there are a lot of people that would be like, 10 or 20 minutes is not an evening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so actually this can be done from birth if you want to so it really is up to you but the main thing is that you're implementing a bedtime routine for baby now if you've been for example um having baby with you until say 10 o'clock and then you're all going upstairs at the same time and you're all going to bed at the same time that's fine you don't need to do it gradually you can just when you've decided that you're going to go for it and get your evening back you just make that change so you you shift your entire bedtime routine to between kind of 5 and 6 30 and you start putting them down now that first night the first couple of nights are not necessarily going to go down at 6 30 and sleep until 10 or 11 whenever they're up for their first feed it might be a little bit broken and that's when you might have to use some of the settling techniques but if you've made the decision that you're going for your evening back then you've probably realized that actually they're not really feeding that much in that time anyway so it is a little bit easier so you would want to put all the things in place that we talk about on our episodes about routines and um, settling um, and just bring it all forward so you're not really making a major change you are literally just changing what you've been doing at 10 o'clock and making it so that they're going down for 6 30 quarter to 7 now obviously most parents um well the guidelines have been that you keep baby in the same room as you for for the first six months for quite a long time um there was some chat about them changing to the first year but they haven't actually changed yet um whether they do or don't who knows but the reality for a lot of parents is that's not always quite how it happens again as we always say guidelines are guidelines but still for a lot of people particularly you know first-time parents you do not you don't want to deviate from them and I remember really I remember you pushing me to do this and I remember really really struggling with it but that whole idea about you can still do this process and baby can be in a different part of the the same room as you try and just if you make the like we have a little we had a little like annex bit of our living room that we were able to have darker and that was where we had um it was actually with four wasn't it that mm-hmm. we had him um and so he was sort of still in the same room but we were still doing bedtime routine and putting him down for the evening 
in a sim- mm-hmm. same space as us, but apart from us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Lots of people and won't can... have that flexibility of space because, you know, it depends on, on what your living setup is like. But you can, as you say, can do it in corridors or, you know. Yeah. Or just behind yeah. the couch. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be a million miles away, literally just so that they're not really on you mm-hmm. anymore. It's just that they're going down into wherever they're sleeping. And it is a little bit darker. It's maybe a little bit further away, but they're not attached. And using it. white noise and to kind of cover yep. up like, um, and I think not being afraid to do that, I guess, um, to, to really ha- set that routine in place from early on, like we get loads and loads of questions about when should I be putting a bedtime routine in place? And it's kind of like, well, you can whenever. It doesn't mean that once you put a bedtime routine in place that suddenly you're going to have a super smooth bedtime and baby's going to sleep through the night. No. But you can put that those sort of foundations for it in place from really early on. Definitely. Whenever you're ready, you can do it. And the thing to remember as well is that you can do it anywhere. So you know, just because you put your bedtime routine in place, it doesn't mean that that's you having to be in the house from then on. You can do your bedtime routine wherever you are and baby can be flexible and come with you. So it's not making that change to get your evenings back doesn't mean that you've stopped your social life. Um, I'm I'm going to, as I feel like I'm doing loads at the moment, sorry, throwing a like spanner in. <laughs> like, What if you don't, what if you want to have that time? What if you want to have that time in the evening with your, your baby? That's totally fine. You're the parents. It's entirely up to you. We are just here to tell you what you can have when you want it. And you will at some point, whether that's in the first year or the first two years or the first five years, or you might have it when they're babies and then want them back in the evening. Like I love my time now with Haz when the other two are in bed and asleep. I mean, Harry get that time just the two of us so you know I've opted in for an extended evening bedtime so that one goes down at seven one goes down at eight and one goes down at nine so they all get a little bit of me time and I love that but when they were babies I also loved getting them to bed at half six quarter to seven and having my evening so it can change it's you as the parents have to be comfortable with what you're doing what about if you're listening and you have an older baby um, not like Harry, older baby, but if you have an older baby or even a toddler and you've been running up and down this corridor or the stairs desperately trying to get your fractious baby toddler child to sleep so you can have some dinner, I'm going to throw both my hands up here because <laughs> it quite often happens to me. But what do you do then? How do you deal with that sort of evening back when you have slightly older little ones? So you've got two options here. If you've set the ball in motion and you really want to get these evenings back, then you persevere. You know, remember the golden rule. You've got three to five nights of being consistent and things will stick and they will stay in place. But also, if you're tired, if you're hungry and you're having a complete nightmare, get them back up. It's one night. You can reset the next night. We always say that, you know, take each day as it comes. And yes, you've got your consistency, but if it goes tits up, it doesn't mean that it's gone tits up forever. It is one day. And if you have to have that older baby sitting on your knee or sitting in a high chair while you're eating your dinner, that's fine. Do it for that night and then get back on track the next day. Don't get yourself to a point where your stress levels are rising, your hunger levels have gone to the point where you're now getting grumpy and angry at the baby. It's not worth it. So just take a step back, take a few deep breaths and reset and also remember that if they do end up staying in the cot for five ten minutes grumbling while you're throwing some dinner down your throat they'll be fine they'll be absolutely fine 
I definitely, definitely notice, um, you know, the nights that are difficult um, are the ones because I get more wound up usually because I get hangry (laughs) and I'm just desperate for dinner. But I, I do, I've tried eating with the kids to sort of stave that off. But actually that part of having my evening back of having a kind of grown up meal is quite important to me at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I don't know what you'll say about this. Is it, um, someone had said to me that they just like, they don't have a bedtime for their older child. You know, we I think I may have mentioned that my six-year-old can sometimes be a little bit difficult in the evenings. And they just kind of let their kid go to bed when they're tired, which is not something that would ever work for us. But one of the things they were saying is they just get really bored. And actually my daughter was um, being a bit of a pickle the other night and I could not take her back upstairs and I was so hungry so I was just I just cooked and she just stood there and um she was clearly so bored I think I had like the news on or something like right really like not inspiring to a six-year-old and when I turned around and finished the bit of cooking that I was doing and took her up to bed there was no complaints and so I was like it did kind of work actually I wouldn't want to do it all the time because actually sometimes we are doing interesting things and sometimes I'm listening to cool music rather than the news and I don't think she'd go to bed quite so easily yeah but it does just show though that you know they, they can get bored when they're that age quite quickly and also you know maybe she does just need a little bit of a later bedtime a little bit more mommy and daddy time and then she will go toddle she gets off a bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting that hour. <laughs> um, but with the slightly older kids, maybe even from toddler stage, you would quite often recommend things like a star chart um, if yep, you are. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so have things like the magic lamp is really good as well. I can't remember if we talked about that. We're going to do an episode on sort of toddler bedtimes, yeah. but I just thought it was worth, given that we're talking about evenings, like mm-hmm. a few things that can make yep. life easier. Magic lamps sticker charts the marble jars so they are responsible for moving their marble over you got those any of those kind of things just to really reinforce the positives and really encourage them to take responsibility for their own bedtime not putting themselves to bed but taking responsibility for having a good bedtime that'd be nice wouldn't it (laughs) i said i'd I'd miss it so much i'd be like well you don't want me to read to you anymore (laughs) yeah that's the hardest thing when they get to the point where they don't want the bedtime story read to them and they want to read it themselves i'm like no but i want to read this book with you (laughs) i'm really into it what happens to the unicorn Right. So that's the start points for making it happen. But how do you actually go about it all? Like, are there any golden rules when it comes to getting your evening back, apart from making sure once you do, you don't spend the whole night fanning around on social media like I maybe do sometimes? <clears throat> so Sarah, yeah, what, what what's the plan? So definitely remember the golden rule of the three to five days be consistent plan your schedule ahead of time so you want to make sure that you know you know exactly what you want to include in your bedtime routine be confident with your time ends make sure that you've got enough time to implement it so you know if you're making this change, make sure that it's a week where maybe you're both around if you've got that option or you've like got any a- big changes that you want to make yeah. or something that you want to kind of be trying to set in stone. You do need to give it the space to exactly. ma- make it work. Exactly. And you do need the plan. You know, you don't want to be starting a bedtime routine and 
thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do a baby massage and then I'm going to read 10 stories and then I'm going to do a bath and then I'm going to do some singing and then I'm going to get to the bottle, you're going to end up with an overtired baby So who's not then going to settle for the evening. So you want it to be fast. You want it to be really quick. You don't, as much as they can love a bath, you don't want to spend too long in the bath because it lowers your inner body temperature. So you want to keep everything really snappy. Um, and talking about toddlers, there comes that point where it's an extra drink, an extra pee, an extra this, an extra that, which extends your bedtime by a lot. So you you want the foundation to be short-ish because if the foundation is super long, then that's when you can end up yep, spending absolutely. two hours putting your kids to bed. Definitely. No, you really can. So yeah, just keep everything really um, compact and then follow the three to five days and once you've started you know stick on stick with it so roughly what you're looking for is around about kind of half five quarter to six quick bath get changed into jammies and then do a milk feed um, in the bedroom in a sort of darker room or wherever you're going to be and then if they're small enough you would be swaddling them if they're a bit bigger into the sleeping bag and then get them down wherever they are going to be sleeping put your white noise or your shush noise on and then leave them to it. See if they can have they see if they can self settle by just, you know, chatting away to themselves for a bit. And if not, use the settling techniques that we talk about in other episodes. And there isn't it like I'm not kinda kidding given that we are, you know, obviously talking both about babies and, and slightly older children or toddlers at least, is that once you have that routine or that sort of bedtime uh, journey <laughs> without that sounding too hallmark uh, in place it really doesn't change that much as they grow you know my kids still have a bath m- most nights because I I like that part of the evening um, even though it's not necessary but around six o'clock I still take my son who's nearly four up just after half six and read him a story and he does still have milk Sorry, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, read him a story and then um, go into his room and he has a light on and he goes to sleep if he needs any kind of settling or goes for a pee or whatever. You know, and it's not hugely different for my six, although it is a more mature version of that mm-hmm. for my six-year-old. You know, so you are actually putting in place something that is going to last you a really, really long time yep absolutely it doesn't really change I'd say probably the only thing that changes as they get older is that they start having the sort of classes in the evenings and so then everything gets pushed back like I know you know we talk again quite a lot about um hacking routines so on a Wednesday we do have to hack our routine entirely and they end up having dinner at four o'clock and then a supper when we get home from football because we don't get in from football until seven and so Emily's bedtime has to be pushed right back really late on a Wednesday and as a result the boys get less time but that's just what you have to do so that everything stays the same it's just shifted well right we're going to talk about that next (laughs) (laughs) one of the reasons people sometimes shy away from this kind of topic is that it looks so different for everyone and it might look different on different days like if you've got football is that um but also it feels very regimen it but also it feels very regimented and our lives aren't really like that which is why we also do our listener questions but before we get to this week's let's talk about making it 
actually work? Like, how do you include the flexibility to maintain it? How do you make it work when there are other children in the house or like when you go on holidays? So Sarah, how do you deal with all of those things, which is essentially like not like it's that consistency within flexibility that we talk about, which sounds like it's a contradiction, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, it is and it's not, but yeah. The, so you do, you have to be flexible to maintain any sort of routine. You have to be flexible. There's going to be days that, you know, you might need to pull everything forward by half an hour because baby is tired. There's going to be days that you've maybe been stuck in a traffic jam or you've decided to go out for dinner and so everything gets shoved back. And that's fine, but the things that you're doing won't change. So the actual bedtime routine, the bath, the story, the milk, the sleeping bag, the white noise, none of that changes. It's the things around it that change. So actually baby's routine is still the same. Or a bath becomes a wipe or a story becomes a head story that is shorter or whatever, you know. Or two pages or (laughs) there is no story, you know. But it's, it's just, it's your routine that actually changes rather than baby's. And then, yeah, if you've got siblings, you know, if you're having another baby and you've got older ones, try and keep the older ones routine the same and just fit the younger one into that where you can because it's the older one who's going to feel it a little bit more when things change so you don't want to take anything away from them you want to leave them with what they've got just now and just adjust things for the baby to fit in around that Um, and I think you know we hear this a lot in our sleep clubs like a lot of people get very anxious around evening and bedtime routines or, or or overnights when there are older siblings about uns like one unsettling the other so how do you how do you deal with that? Because we went through a spell of that too, that it was like they basically were bouncing off each other and then it got later and later and later. Okay, so I would always say, especially when, when there's a new baby in the house, put white noise or a shoe sound or something in the older sibling's room so that actually that's the sound that they're hearing rather than the baby. But remember that they will also get used to each other really, really quickly. So you don't want to do too much to prevent them unsettling each other because if you're too cautious, they'll never adjust. So you actually want them to hear a bit of noise. You want them all to be a little bit unsettled by each other so that it becomes a normal and then you can work from there. And what about making it work on holiday? Because quite often, even if people aren't that bothered about having their evenings when they're at home, they want their evenings on holiday. Yeah. And that can be the hardest place to get it. Yeah, it can, but it can also be really easy. So, you know, again, you just want that routine to be the same. So if you're, if you've decided that you're going to take um, baby with you for your dinner, then you do the bedtime routine at home and pop them down in the pram and then go out for dinner and so they've still got they still had their routine and so they're content and happy and settled and sleeping while you eat your dinner and with older children you just either decide to keep them up later or yeah you can adjust things and keep them up a little bit later I mean really up until the age of kind of four four and a half if you've got a buggy still I would always recommend taking it and doing the bedtime routine at home doing an earlier dinner for them so you know stick with their dinner at kind of five-ish do the bedtime routine, then head out for dinner. If the buggy's there, they've got the option to sit down and rest and sleep in it. And they can have a little bit of a supper with you if you want to do it that way. But they've had their main dinner, so they're not eating their main meal with you. It's more of a top-up. Or you can decide to adjust everything so that you all go out. So make dinner kind of six-ish. And then you all just eat together and you have a slightly later routine when you get home. But it's still the same bedtime things that are happening. There is absolutely no way my nearly four-year-old would 
sitting a buggy like no way it would be like smashing plates which might be okay if it was a greek restaurant but <laughs> i remember a holiday i can't even remember how old the boys must have been I, on it i can't actually remember but we were in spain and they were just like the best behaved boys ever we had to double of course they were and they of course they were <laughs> i know it was hilarious and there was one night that there was like loads of other children actually playing in the square and i wanted them to wake up and go and play <laughs> Uh, too good at your job don't worry (laughs) (laughs) it was a fluke so earlier on I mentioned our listener question as we always say it's a really important part of what we do because we don't want our advice just to be floating out there and for you guys to think well that doesn't relate to what my life looks like at all and so this week as we always do, we relate it to the topic that we're, we are discussing. We have a question from Scott about evenings. Hey, Kat and Sarah. I have a time-week-old baby who normally comes upstairs at 11pm, but we think we're ready now to have some grown-up time in the evening. Do you have any suggestions for a bedtime routine and moving a baby out of the living room before 11pm? Thank you. So if you're both ready for that change, I would start by setting up the room that you want them to be in or if you just want to make it a more gradual process then I would just go for moving them out of the space that you're in a little bit so moving into the hall or moving into even a bathroom you know just somewhere close think about the routine that you want to put in place and make sure that timings are going to work for both of you so if you've got to think about what time you're coming in from work or you know if you've got other children then obviously think about um what how their bed bedtime's going to fit into it and then just really make that happen so set aside your time make sure that you've got a clear week ahead of you and start implementing that new bedtime um get your routine right and then get them down wherever they are and then just keep checking on them you know if one of you is more sure than the other one that you want to make this happen then I would recommend keeping them closer initially so that you can both keep a really close eye on them yeah I was going to say, I mean, we obviously we'd love, we make the podcast for all parents and that's a really important part of what we do. But we have also spoken about, and it's, you know, this is not a mum or dad thing. This is, you know, a main care thing because we, all our families look different. Um, and uh, you can sometimes end up with a circumstance where one party or partner feels um, more able to to do something or more ready to do something when the other one doesn't so that can be really hard to navigate too because actually that then becomes a source of stress and anxiety within the couple and it sort of moves away from it being anything to do with baby mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so it's good again that kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier about you know having a plan and if you've talked things through you know where you're both at and you can make the plan work for both of you rather than it just being well this is what we're doing and we're doing it now you can take gradual steps to make it happen in a way that both of you are comfortable with and it can be super super gradual as you say Mm -hmm. and it can like it could be just inching maybe away from the sofa gradually kind of thing definitely yep it it can't it doesn't have to be a major thing it can be really really small moves this is not relating to this (laughs) well this is maybe answering a slightly different question but what what we did for a period of time was obviously um baby was in the room with us in the evening but was kind of settled and then I would go to bed like 
a bit earlier and sometimes I wouldn't sleep or anything but I would have that space but but they were they were in the room with my husband and then he would bring them up when they went he came to bed and um that gave him a bit of time with them and it gave me a bit of space technically I think I was meant to be sleeping but I'm pretty sure I just fannied around on Instagram (laughs) yeah and that's a good idea as well it's just you know as it's mean that means that you're getting what you needed and dad was probably getting what he needed as well because actually feeling like he was doing something and having that little bit of time you know if the baby is a bit unsettled then dads can feel like they really use that time to bond with them so it's quite a nice way of everybody feeling like they've got a role in the evening and everyone working together yeah and he naturally goes to bed later Mm -hmm. anyway yeah exactly Thank you so much, Scott. I hope that helps. So make a plan, do it gradually, make sure you're both on the same page because, you know, that can be a hard thing to navigate to. Uh, if you have a question, get in touch with us on social media at The Sleep Mums on Instagram and Facebook. You can uh, just send us a wee DM or you can also send us an email, hello at thesleepmums.com. Ideally, we want that as a voice file if you are sending us in because it's for our podcast um, and we will get back to you. One of the things that can be hardest for new parents is not having any time to themselves. They can feel touched out and exhausted, their head fried from singing twinkle twinkle or blah 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 sheep. Uh, If they have a partner who is around, their experiences can be very different. And when the only time you have to connect is over your child's cot at 3am, where you establish in quietly aggressive tones that wet towels do not live on the floor or on the bed for that matter. So it's it's just a personal thing. (laughs) It can make those early and later months of parenting really difficult. It's easy to see why we focus on sleep. It's what baby and adults need. So overnights are really important, but that doesn't take away from the importance of other parts of your day. Having an evening can be really transformational as a parent to reset, recover and rewatch old friends episodes. And if you need it, it can also be about sleep. Getting to bed at baby o'clock a few times a week can do wonders for how you feel too. You might never get your mind, your sanity or your laundry pile back, but hopefully these tips and tricks will help you get your evenings back at some point. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. <laughs>